for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200 foot podcast. I'm Peter. And it is I, Jay. Ha ha. So I did that. So this is our all star edition, our all star podcast, because we have um, last night, as we're recording this, last night was the all star skills competition. Today is going to be the All-Star Game, so obviously by the time you hear this, the All-Star Game will have happened, so we can't analyze that, but we can talk a little bit about it. Wait, hold on. Wait, what's this? What's this? I'm, I'm hearing that there's some uh, some breaking news happening right now. Yager Watch! And, and that sound means that we have some Yager Watch news. So Elliot Friedman uh, is reporting that Yaramir Yager is going to be put on waivers at 12 o'clock today, which is Sunday. So we are recording this right now. We are at 11.57, so this is actual breaking news, although by the time you hear this, you will have already known. But for us, it's pretty exciting. So according to the Elliot Friedman tweet, it sounds like this is the, uh, you know, Yager, or he says, hearing Yaramir Yager will be on waivers at noon Eastern today. Understand he and the Flames are working together on this. Yager wants to resume his career, and this is the next step. Right, so this sounds like this is a a mutual decision. It doesn't sound like they're, um, you know, I guess the expression would be like maybe you know like they're not calling him a taxi cab after the game. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like this is a, a mutual decision, <laughs> something they want. So, so Jay, what's your what's your initial reaction to this news? I would like more Yager in my life, and if this is the way to do it, so be it. Um, I'm I'm actually. Uh, I was, I had the lofty hope that it'd be really funny if the Red Wings signed Jerome McGinley, Shane Doan, and Yarmir Yager to start the season to kick off the opening of the of the Little Caesars Arena. But um, you know, I set sail that dream many months ago. But I, I still think that there's like some some magic left in him to to you know be a mentor and. But I don't know, Pete. I mean, you know, is is the type of uh, what's what's the word here? Uh, what's the the iron streak? The Iron Man? The like whatever it takes, whatever it's taken Yager to still be competitive in in the way that the le- the league and the game has changed for literally the entire time he's been around. I mean, we're talking about some of the biggest names in the game right now weren't even born when Yager was playing this game. So there's there's certainly a a, a mega storyline still happening here, and I'm very curious as to what the punctuation or the climax is going to be for for him so um i'm i'm interested to see what happens i mean as we're talking right now it's coming up on the 12 o'clock hour and you know my gut reaction is i'd sign him i i i do something i mean that's it's 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 a wonderful lovable gamble he's a great soundbite i last i checked and he's he smiles he's a he's a happy guy and most of all he wants to play hockey and i think if he wants to play hockey and We've seen that his skill set can definitely help. I mean, he scored a bunch against the Wings all the time. <laughs> so, you know, it'd be nice to see him do more of that, but maybe wearing our 
sweater. But those are my thoughts, Peter. What about yours? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that there's a a very real chance that this is this is the end of his NHL career. I I mean, I, I just pulled up his stats. You know, this year in Calgary, um, he is. There's a weird number here in the beginning. It's 45. Oh, that's his age. He's 45. Um, <laughs> and so, so he's played 22 games this year. He has one goal and six assists. Um, you know, so this is this is definitely, you know, his career. Like, like it's not even close. I mean, this is easily his career low. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a look at the stats. I mean, one year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there, you know, he's he's never been below double digits in goals for a season. Um, you know, so, I mean, this is, this is, you know, we've kind of been wondering, you know, it's a great story, obviously, but at some point, you know, he, he can't do it anymore. You know, I mean, at some point time wins and I think that's what we're seeing right now. No, Peter. No, 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 we can't let time win. (laughs) Time takes everything. It takes, it takes food. It takes cars. No. I don't want this. I want I want Yager to live forever. Let him play. I, I he's really, obviously doing something. He's either getting stem cells, he's either drinking the blood of, of freshborn virgins. I don't know what it is, but he's doing something to stay in shape. So just let him continue to do it. I, I really like how your 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 two immediate references for time ruining everything were food and cars. <laughs> but um <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, taking a look at Yager's stats, uh, you know, he, he started playing in 1990-91 uh, with Pittsburgh, obviously. And here's the fun thing. He was um, – well, Jay, here, without looking at this. Um, so that year, obviously, he was eligible for the Calder Trophy. So what place do you think he came in in Calder voting that year? I think the league was pretty stupid back then. So I like to think maybe he came in what, like third? He came like, in didn't they, sixth. Didn't they... Oh yeah, see that's yeah that's not shocking to me because the, the they were never they've they've historically not been very good. <laughs> he, he came in <laughs> sixth with so who uh, won that year? That's what I'm getting to. Yeah. He came in sixth with three oh, percent of the vote. Uh, so players receiving votes uh, number eight was Mike Ricci, who I remember was always very confusing for me because they, the Flyers had Mike Ricci and Mark Recchi. Um Number seven is Matt Sundin with six votes or you know two percent yager had 10 votes then we have rob blake with 16 votes mike wrong mike richter was fourth with 23 votes wrong ken hodge from boston was third you know i mean we all all remember you know who mega mega wrong Um, oh god second was sergey fedorov okay sure but all right now now break the hearts of a million people just say it Ed Belfour, what's your <laughs> at the at the the tender age of twenty five. Ed Belfour oh, was your the eagle. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow, um, I see. Okay, if I was gonna go back and rearrange that, maybe you know Yager, Feds, and and then and then Belfour, or maybe or maybe switch the two around. I know I can be biased because you know the Red Wings are my team, but. Yeah, I mean, like, wow, I, that's, I, you, know, you know, I think I, I think it would be hard to argue with with Fedorov and Yager one two in either position. I mean, they're you know they're both just tremendous players. So 
Um, it would, it, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where, like, obviously people can disagree, but like, if you told me that, you know, one of them was first and one of them was second, like, I don't think anybody's gonna be like, you're an idiot. I mean, like, you know, they're, <laughs> you know, it just, you know, at that at that point, you're kind of splitting hairs. But um, yeah. So obviously, you know, if 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 this is the end of his career, then or his NHL career at least, because you know, it sounds like he definitely wants to play. I don't know, maybe he's gonna go go in Europe, go to the KHL. Um, who knows? But if this is the end of his career, I mean, you know, what a, what, what a great career he had. Um, I remember I got to see him play his third year. Uh, it was 1992-93. It was the first hockey game I went to at Nassau Coliseum. The Islanders played the Penguins, and they actually won that game. And that was the year that the Islanders stopped them from three-peating in, uh, as Stanley Cup champions. And we, we got, you know, we were sitting, I think, second or third row behind one of the goals. And you know how it is. Like, you know, when you when you watch on TV, it's it's a lot different than if you're like up on the glass and you can just see just how fast these players are. And yeah. you know, so it was it was incredible getting to watch. You know, you get to see, uh, you know, Mario and, and Yager as a as a young 20 uh, year old. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, that season he had 94 points. He had 30, 34 goals, 60 assists. Um Wow. Yeah. One year he had 149 points, 95, 96. That's incredible. That is incredible. He had, wait, he had 149 points and he came in fourth in the heart voting that year. Hey, you know, it, what is it? It's, it's the, it's the, the hockey writer mentality of like, uh, you know, it's not just about points. So you actually, know, I, actually, it turns out it might've been because Mario Lemieux won and he had 161 points. So, <laughs> But, but that well, was a different yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, true. you had uh, the Hart Trophy that year. You had Lemieux with 161 points. Messier comes in second. He had 99 points. Eric Lindros, 115. Then Yager with 149. Fedorov with 107. Joe Sackick with 120. Uh, and then you had a, a couple other people. Paul Correa, Peter Forsberg, Alex Mogilny, you know, possibly more. Like, that's just the Hart voting. Oh, Timu Solani. Yeah. They all had yep. over 100 points. You know, so, I mean, if you, you know, Messier had 99, but... You know, I mean, that's what 10, <laughs> 10 12 people with 100 points or more. Uh, if you want to fudge, fudge Messier's numbers a tad, but if you yep. want, you know, if you want to start counting as zero, <laughs> you can say he had 100 points. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah. you know, I, I think that's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, by the time you're listening to this, uh, if you don't listen right away, um, we'll probably know what happens because uh, the waiver claims get announced at noon. Uh, so, noon on Monday. On the 29th, we'll know what you know. We'll, you know, we'll know if there's a next step in the NHL. So, so we'll see. Jay thinks that um, you know. Jay thinks that there's a good chance he gets claimed. I think he doesn't. We'll uh, we'll just have to see. And the good news is that I edit the podcast, so um, I can go back and, and fix fix things. And uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can. Just like how we'll go back and edit. Then I'm like, and we now welcome our new Yager overlords. <laughs> All right, so um, uh, you know, so like like I said at the top, this is going to be our our all star themed podcast. So before we talk about the all star game proper, uh, one player who is in Tampa representing his team is Brad Marchand, and he is attending the game. He is participating, even though he is suspended from playing in regular NHL games. The Department of Player Safety finally did something they um many people were thinking i think the conventional wisdom was that 
what they were going to do is they were going to give him maybe one game so they didn't have to deal with the all-star game you know aspect of it because the the Bruins had one game between then and the all-star game I, I that's what I thought was going to happen and you know like I've said numerous times on here I think that if we were if we were really doing things the way that they should be I think the suspension would should have been a lot more than that you know this is his sixth suspension I believe yeah this is his sixth suspension and I always believe that part of the punishment needs to be like a a message to not do it again you know like you know i mean like you know it, it's meant to you know not only punish the player from doing wait what wait, they wait, did. wait 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 peter you're saying that they're supposed to get some sort of lesson from punishment i mean I, I, I know that's crazy i know that sounds like crazy talk but yeah i think so I think I, I think I can buy into what you're saying here. I think I, I think I really can. Um, so, so 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 Jay, what do you think about the suspension? Do you think um, in the world of hockey uh, department of player safety that we are currently living in that it was accurate? Um, you know, considering other suspensions of similar type plays. Uh, you know, who, what do you think about it? I'd like to think that this was a good step in the right direction. Um, I think the climate is still very skewed right now in the sense that I think public opinion within the players is that you have a pretty long leash and that's bad, (laughs) right? Like, Oh, so we're talking about his sixth suspension. Now let's not, let's, let's remove term from, like length of suspension from the equation. Let's just talk about times a player has had to be formally suspended six times. I sound like the principal Rooney from Ferris Bueller (laughs) six times. That's because he wasn't being a good player. It's because he was being a bad one. (laughs) So I like that. It was five. I wish it was more like seven or eight because I think the league needs to, it's it's so weird because they they're how hilarious must that war room be where they're like it's kind of a marketable player and he's dirty <laughs> we have to suspend him but our league <laughs> our marketing sh- strategy uh, you know it's gosh it's that it's that internet comic of the guy sweating over which button he's gonna push you know maintain integrity destroy integrity oh god oh god what do i do so I, I'm, I'm glad that he's got five games. I think it's abhorrent that he's at the All-Star game. I think that's, that's dumb. I mean, like, oh, yeah, yeah he, uh, you know, he got fought, but, uh, you know, we'll still bring him to Disneyland. You know, it's no big deal. Like, no, no, the guy got, like, you, you have the hearing. There's deliberation. They tell you that for five NHL games, you cannot play. It's... But you get to go to a, an event that's specifically geared – to show every major player in the game at that time. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I would love a RoboCop satirical take on the broadcast today where they just later like, and here's Brad Bad Marsh, and he's in the midst of a five-game suspension for another infraction. Well, we'll see how many he gets next time. Anyways, he's charging up the boards and passes on down to Stamkos. You know, <laughs> something like that would be really entertaining to me, but I'm... It, it's, it's the, it's, this is a Larry David call, right? It's the, eh, 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 eh. so it, 
I'm glad he got something, but I, I agree with you, Peter. I think I think it could have been more, and I don't think he should be in Tampa. And plus, and this happened a couple of years ago too when he, I think it was like, was it spearing against um, the wings that he got like a fine for? It was, he, he did something where he had to pay like 20 grand or something. And then he went to the All-Star game and his, uh, the, t- the, the All-Star team he was on like went to the final and I was like, okay, that's cool. So he gets docked an amount of pay, but then he, because he gets to go to the all-star game, he could immediately have that money put back into his pocket if he wins the the, the tournament. So I it's think, really stupid. It's really stupid. I, I think you might be talking about, uh, are you talking about when he slew footed Cronwall at the blue line? Oh yeah. 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 Spearing slew foot starts with an S, you know, yeah. how these things, but yeah. I mean, like, I'll be honest. At first, I was 100% with you about him going to the All-Star game. And don't get me wrong. Like, I totally understand what you're saying about, uh, you know, he has a chance to win money. I mean, it could be something where they could basically say, if you end up winning the money, then your like that money will be donated to charity. Um, yeah. You know, like, like, I think they definitely could do something like that. Although, at the same time, you always have to remember that, that they can only operate – uh, within the rules of the the CBA, you know, so there very yeah. well could be some type of clause in there, um, and so like you know, you can understand like like sometimes when they make decisions that seem baffling, sometimes it's it's because of that. Now I'm pretty sure that there's nothing in the CBA about a suspended player going to the All Star game or not, but I was listening to I was listening to the Puck Soup podcast with. Uh, Greg Wyshynski and Dave Lozo and Lozo had a, had a point on this that actually kind of changed my mind on this about him not, not going to the all-star game because I totally understand. I get the optics, you know, I get that it, it doesn't seem fair. Like I totally get that. But the point that he made is that think about how many players try to get out of going to the all-star game, you know, like Sidney Crosby <laughs> famously does not want to be at the all-star game. Um, you know, you have players who are like, okay, I tweaked my fingernail and I need a replacement, you know? So his point, and like he was, he was joking a little bit, but at the same, you know, he like, he was basically using hyperbole was that if you, if you are suspended and that means that you don't play in the all-star game, could we see players just running around the game before being like <laughs> two-handing people in the face, being like, "Ha I don't have to go to the All-Star game." No, no, no. Again, obviously that's hyperbole, um, but like I do kind of get that. Where for a lot of these players, like y- you know, you would think, especially probably the first time, it's like, "Oh my God, it's the All-Star game," you know. But you know, if you listen to you know their candid interviews, other than you know, as opposed to you know when they're saying the you know the party line, they're saying the thing they're supposed to say. You know, a lot of these players don't really want to be there. Um, so I, I can okay. kind of see like maybe like an unintended consequence, you know, being something like that, where it's like, hey, if I'm suspended, I don't got to go. Um, I mean, I, I think in practice, I don't think players would actually do that. Um, right. But, you know, I, I do think it's a fair point. Um, so last night uh, we had the All-Star Skills Competition and they they made some changes uh, I think some of the the changes that I can think of, I I thought made it better. The the one thing, if you if you listen to this and you also listen to uh, Wim Radio, our our Red Wings podcast, we talked about you know we did a little preview of the All Star skills and stuff. And one of the things that we talked about was they got away or they did away with the I think they call it the breakaway challenge. It was the one where it was basically. Um, 
like hockey crossed with the carrot top act where they would have prop comedy. Um, I'm going to save some of those because we're going to talk a little bit about our favorite all-star moments. And, and, and at least one of them for me involves that. So I'm going to wait till we get to that to talk about, you know, some of the things I actually really liked about that. And I can understand why they did it. I can understand why they took it away because there's kind of only so much you can do, you know, like a, a lot of the things have probably already been done. Uh, I think, I forget, I think it was Wyszynski was talking about this. I think one year Johnny Goudreau wanted to light his stick on fire, <laughs> which I think w- would have been like amazing. But at the same time, you can understand why they didn't let him do it. Um, and so like, like the biggest changes were in the, uh, there was the passing contest where they had, um, they had these light up targets and, the um you know like the player had to you know they could they couldn't pick the order the player had to go with the one that was lit up and some of the targets were elevated so they had to you know hit the target in midair which was you know you know even for these these great players was you know a lot harder than it looks um they also changed the accuracy shooting competition which which a lot of people a lot of people really enjoy that you know that aspect of the skills competition where they had uh, same thing, light up targets. They had one that was kind of five hole, a little bit, a little bit elevated. Then they had the corner ones, um, and it was the same thing. You know, like it lit up in a random sequence. Uh, and then the other one was the the puck control relay. They made some changes to that, where they had to you know do the standard you know put the puck between other pucks, uh, you know the close control stuff. Um, they had this thing where they had to like skate or, you know kind of bank pass to themselves. Uh, like a give and go type thing, and then the thing that I thought was pretty cool was they then had um, they then had to basically get the puck onto their stick, carry it on their stick, and then put it through like a slot that was in like this little tower looking thing. Um, and I, I thought that was that was pretty interesting. So Jay, both of us watched this last night. Um, so what were your what were your thoughts on the All Star Skills competition? What did you like? You know, what could you do without, et cetera? This was my first full All-Star that I'd watched in probably uh, four, five, six years, just because a lot of the other times I like only watched certain parts. So this was like the first time I watched the whole thing in like a long time. And uh, what's funny was I think uh, actually uh, whoever was doing the Weem last night, spoiler, I know it was you. Um, it was me you, and J- you JJ made... came in like halfway through too. Yeah, uh, you guys made a very funny joke because that's exactly what I did Six years ago, when I watched the whole thing, I put together an Ikea dresser during the skills competition. <laughs> oh, hey, so, that, that was definitely me. Yeah. 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 So that was so that was a lot of fun. So I, I didn't have an Ikea dresser to put together this time. I figured I'd just actually, you know, watch it. Um, overall, I got to say, I was pretty entertained. I liked the changes that they made. Um, I like how the in the accuracy shooting thing, they made the five hole like if it was a five hole on, let's say, Andre the Giant. Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't aware that the five hole was around the midsection for most humans, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Uh, but, yeah, I like the random uh, lighting up sequence of it to, to keep guys on their toes. Um, tying into the immediately uh, preceding segment, it was really funny to see Marshand not do anything right in, in the thing. It's <laughs> like, listen, all right, we're going to suspend you. We're going to make you go to the All-Star game, and then you're going to crash and burn at the accuracy shooting thing it's kind of like the one year a couple years ago where brandon inge was part of the home run derby for the mlb all-star game and he got like two (laughs) it's like oh that was a fun experiment now back to the real stuff um 
I thought the give and go stuff was really cool uh, for the for the puck control. Um, I think the uh, lit three rung uh, randomness mm-hmm. was was really nice. It was a neat uh, change to it. Um, it it's really funny because you were talking about guys that practice these drills a bunch of times and you expect them to be perfect, but then, oh, no, what happens? You're in front of a bunch of different people now, and you yeah. now have to do it on TV all over again. Like, yeah. wait a minute, I thought these between-the-pucks passes were supposed to be, like, you know, underground somewhere where I just work on this myself. Nope, nope, you got to be good at this all the live-long day. So that was pretty cool. Um, I thought I thought Gaudreau was probably the most... Um, surgical about getting the uh the exercise done but i thought eric carlson kind of actually took his thunder a bit because he instead of like trying to flip it through he literally picked up the puck placed it on his stick blade and passed it through whichever ring was lit up at that time so that was that was pretty funny so kudos to future um winnipeg jet eric carlson on on, on that uh there was uh there's a moment where uh they had uh, during the accuracy thing, uh, this, uh, you know, again, I don't know what this says about, you know, the way NBC does their cameras and stuff, but they had one guy positioned perfectly after Brock Besser did his round mm-hmm. where like he was looking at this, at the scoreboard to see what happened. And then he looked back at the bench, NBC played it back in slow motion. And I swear to crap, Fabio music started playing. <laughs> he looked so majestic skating back to the bench. And and knowing that, like, he looked up and it was like that slagger and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know I won this one. So, but <laughs> other guys got close, but th- that was neat. And also Brock actually broke one of the things, one of the plexiglass things in the top right corner, which kind of saved it a little bit more for me because I actually remember when it was like either the clay targets or the styrofoam targets. I like the, you know, I think in the last couple of years, the styrofoam quality degraded a little bit because before, like... I think there was, didn't, I forget who did it, but he did it in like, I think four, like five out of six shots or something. But like the targets were exploding. It was like they were squibbed. It was really great. But like recently it was just like the puck would hit it and like all of it would just fall down. Like (laughs) there was no shatter awesomeness to it. So uh, I kind of missed that, but Brock Besser actually cracking one of the plexiglass things. That was, that was actually really cool. Um, Peter, uh, let's talk about the save streak. Okay. The what what you uh, were so uh, excitedly, uh, you know, kind of. Ha- this is basically what was put in place of the thing they did away with, which you just spoke on, which was yeah. the breakaway challenge. So, um, it took me about, I'm gonna guess, three goalies to finally get the handle on what the heck they were doing. But I kind of liked it. I liked the you know, the whole thing where it's like, listen, you got to stop, you know. It's it's almost like a, a shootout round thing where it's like you can sh- you can either score or save, but after a certain point, whatever happens, that's when it stops. Yeah. So um, I thought I thought Lundqvist kind of taking the lead there for a little bit. I don't know how I feel about it. It was kind of weird because they're like, oh, if there's a tie, you know, the total saves. It's like, eh, that's that's like that's that's just an offsides challenge <laughs> taking away a goal scenario, right? Like <laughs> here you go, your your foot was a millimeter off the ice, but. It was a millimeter off the ice, and that's offside. So yeah, I, I, I remember uh, I was reading. You know, before it started, I was reading. Uh, Sportsnet had a you know a primer on you know the different rules for the you know the competitions, and I remember reading that one about like the goaltender. You know, if there's a tie, here's how we're going to break it. And I remember thinking to myself, 
there's a very real chance that you could still be tied. <laughs> yeah, <know>, like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, it's not like a really high chance, but there's, you know, there's a pretty good chance here. And, uh, you know, so fortunately, we didn't have something like that happen. Um, but yeah, like, like, that was definitely interesting. I think, I think they could have explained it a little bit better. Um, I mean, it, it's pretty simple. It's like, at the end of, um, at the end of the round, the, you know, the goalie who has, who saved the most pucks in a row is the winner. And when the, the last player to go is going to be the division captain against him, the ninth player, and the goalie can keep it going if he saves that one. Right. So, um, yep. and like, it, it's a cool concept. Like I get why they did it. I thought it wasn't like a, you know, it, like, I'm not saying like they should have done it differently. I just think there probably was a better way to explain that. Um, yeah. Cause I know it, it was, it was kind of confusing for some of the people that are watching. Uh, one of my favorite things was Hillary Knight's almost winning the accuracy contest. Uh, yeah. Because was... <laughs> basically what they did is they had some people, they had, um, let's see, I remember uh, Amanda Kessel, Hillary Knight. Um, and while I'm talking, I'll look up who the other one was. Cause I, I just forget off the top of my head, uh, Megan Duggan, sorry. Um, so Megan Duggan and Amanda Kessel and Hillary Knight were special guests last night, which I thought was really cool. You know, I mean, they always talk about, you know, hockey is for everyone. Um, you know, and we talk a lot about how it's been kind of lip service and, you know, here was action, you know, like, like, like that's what we've been saying, you know, when we talked about, you know, a while back months ago, we talked about the, the declaration of principles. And I think we both came to the same conclusion that, you know, we want to see actions more than words. And I'm not going to get into the, the thing that's going to happen today that, that kind of goes against everything they said, um, because I think that will extend this show another hour. Um, yep. But I will say, I, I will give them credit. I think they got this right. I think this was, this was pretty cool. And if you read the responses on Twitter, you can kind of see why they still need to do it. Because there are a lot of guys being total jerks to people like Hillary Knight. Um, and it's terrible. So it was, it was really good for the NHL to promote women's hockey, to promote having, uh, you know, having Hillary there and Amanda and Megan. And I thought it was really cool where um, basically what they did is, uh, you know, they they were recorded, uh, you know, demonstrating these skills things. And the funny thing is, like, I wasn't even really joking. Like Hillary Knight's time in the accuracy contest was the second fastest if she had been competing with the men. Uh, which which is pretty cool. Um, now, to be fair, there um, I'm pretty sure they they pre-recorded this, right? Um, I'm looking at the the thing right now. Um, actually, I don't know. I'll have to go back and check because I, I can't remember if they pre-recorded it or if the, if she did it live. Um, so, you know, if it was pre pre-recorded without all the people watching and the fans and stuff, you know, it, it's a little bit easier. But at the same time, I mean, obviously she has incredible skill, and so I think that was really really cool to see. Um, you know her kind of hold up against, you know, the best men in the world, you know, it's, uh, you know, pretty neat to see from a, uh, you know, you know, a standpoint of, you know, we're trying to promote the game to, to, um, you know, a, a wide variety of people. So I thought, you know, promoting women's hockey is always a good thing. Uh, so, so I thought that was pretty fun. Um, overall, overall is pretty good. Overall is pretty enjoyable. Um, there was nothing that like really dragged on, you know, sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, it can be like, oh, that was kind of cool. All right, let's move on to the next one. Nope, we have 14 more people. Um, <laughs> oh, and the one thing we didn't talk about was the, the hardest shot. 
I thought was interesting um, because this is the first year in I think it was eight seasons that you didn't have Chara or, we- or Weber. Uh, yep. I think I think they they alternated winning it for the last eight years or, or something like that. And so if you didn't get to watch it, spoiler alert: Alex Ovechkin became the first forward since Sergei Fedorov to win the hardest shot competition. He was the only one to break a hundred. And what was kind of fun is like when he went into the last shot, cause they used to do it where the players would get, I think two shots in a row and then, you know, whoever had the hardest shot won. And so this time what they did is like everybody who was going, they went once and then the second round they went again, but they went in reverse order. So Ovechkin had the, the fastest time in the, the first round. So he went last. And by the time he, he went, nobody had beaten his, his, uh, not time. I'm sorry. Uh, the 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 uh, miles per hour, and by the time he went, nobody had beaten his uh, his his uh, his uh, I forget it was ninety ninety something, and so he didn't really really need to shoot, and then he comes out and just crushes it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was really cool. I I for all the crap that I give NBC, you know, justifiably, I still think that they are a little probably ahead of the game in terms of progressive camera placement because their NBC it thing was really cool about dissecting um, uh, Ovechkin's shot because there's like the the sports science behind, you know, the, the, the amount of torque the stick can give you. And, you know, like, do you hit the ice a little bit and then touch the puck or do you try to just get all puck on it? It's, it it was really cool, and and I like that they you know we're starting to be a little bit more um, liberal with uh, mm-hmm. our camera angles and camera views to to bring different options to, to to everybody at home on on what this stuff looks like. And you know, as you're saying with like the the, the Hillary Knight stuff, I mean that was really funny, and also that's really I actually thought it was really 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 stupidly funny because she's going. <laughs> the olympics and she's showing all these guys like yeah "Yeah, i'm gonna be taking my talents to pyeongchang uh what are you guys doing oh you guys have a stupid dispute oh (laughs) oh and by by the way before i forget um (laughs) while you were talking i looked it up and i wanted to uh to correct myself because basically like they had a video of her doing it i think before you know, before it started, maybe she was like practicing or something. Um, but when she did it for real, it was in front of everybody. Cause I, I thought that's what I remembered. I thought I remembered her doing it live, uh, you know, with, you know, right before the, uh, the guys went. Um, but for some reason, when I, when I went to check the time, um, I saw a clip where she was in an empty arena basically. And so, yeah, I, I, I was wrong. She, she, she did it with the you know full crowd and all the pressure and all that stuff. So, Obviously, like I, I hope it didn't sound like even if she hadn't, I wasn't really taking anything away from her. But you know, <laughs> no, it, no, you know, but... it just makes it even more impressive. She, uh, it was crazy. Yeah, so she did it in eleven eleven point sixty four seconds, and I thought she would have finished third. Um, she would have beaten Blake Wheeler, James Neal, Brad Marchand, Anze Kopitar, Sidney Crosby, and Steven Stamkos. So that is pretty darn impressive. <laughs> yes, and I'm and I'm looking forward to when. They actually, you know, participate and then wipe the floor with <laughs> with them. So, so that's fun. Hey, 
Hey everyone, this is Peter. We had a little bit of a technical issue in the beginning of our interview with the connection uh, between us and Dom. So uh, Jay's audio is going to sound a little bad. It's going to be you know cut out a couple times. Uh, it's it's going to go away after the first you know minute or two. So anyway, um, you know, hang in there, and uh, I just want to let you know that it's not you. It's our connection, and uh, throughout the interview, it resolved itself, and uh, we'll make sure that we we don't have that happen next time. All right, enjoy the interview. All right, folks, time for another episode of our Emmy, Grammy, Tony, Peabody, and Pulitzer Prize winning podcast about everyone's favorite show. That's right. It's Apple, Brown, Betty, and Veronica, a Riverdale podcast. So today we bring on awesome Riverdale fan, Dom Luschizen. Dom, welcome aboard. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about Chapter 24 because, you know, the, the wicked and the divine is... I think one of the better episodes to come out, at least in the last few weeks here. But, you know, I think just stuff just doesn't get any easier for Archie. What are your What are your thoughts? Um, which episode are you talking about? The last episode I saw was was not good. <laughs> the wrestler. Are you talking about the one before that where? Uh... Oh yes, that's right. That's right. Yes, the wrestler. Anyways, yeah. we can we. And shed this foolish facade and actually talk about what we're actually here to talk about. So uh, that's right, kids. It's uh, the For Sure podcast uh, interview with famous hockey people. Today we are bringing on Mr. Dom Luce Chisholm. Uh, Dom is a very wonderful person who happens to write for a small startup out of a shack named The Athletic. Uh, he writes primarily about analytics and new ways of looking at the game. He's also worked at the Hockey News, the Nation Network, and Hockey Graphs. Dom, I'm sorry for the absurd input. It had to be done. So, welcome. Welcome. So, we're not talking about Riverdale? <laughs> <laughs> At that point, we'd probably just add in the, the whole, like, dial tone thing. Where it's like, we lost him? All right, Pete, we lost him. So, anyways, got to go talk about uh, the All-Star game. Uh, but anyways, uh, Dom, thanks so much for coming on, dude. Yeah, no problem. Uh, um, so, this is really kind of a full circle moment for us, Pete, because... Uh, we actually used one of your articles, Mr. Dom, early in our uh, tenure as podcast people, uh, talking about some tier one, tier two, tier three players. And um, I remember cursing to the skies that you didn't have Zetterberg as a tier one player based solely on his facial hair. So I think I've grown beyond that disappointment. The salt is kind of there still, but again, you're in charge. You know better than I, but this is, this is neat. I get to I get to, you know, be able to just vent to you directly. It's great. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, I was uh, I was taking a look at you know uh, at some of your articles. I mean, I, I I read the Athletic fairly often. Um, and one of the things you have is uh, this year you have a uh, an NHL season projections and probabilities. Um, so first of all, a really quick question is: right now you have the Red Wings with a one percent chance of making the playoffs. So my first question is: why is that so high? Um. <laughs> And then also, uh, um, you know, you know, in the business of projecting and, and trying to you know predict what's going to happen, obviously Vegas is a is a crazy story this year. But other than Vegas, what teams have really surprised you, um, either positively or negatively, and, and 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 why do you think they've surprised us? I think some of the big surprises are the teams everyone thought would be garbage. So. Vegas obviously being at the top, Colorado being anywhere near a playoff spot, 
same with the Devils. I think those are the biggest surprises. Um, on the other side of the scale, I honestly didn't think Ottawa would be this bad. Like, I thought it'd be, they'd be bad, just not this bad. Um, Chicago, same thing with them. I figure, like, a lot of people figure they wouldn't be an elite team anymore, but to have them last in the Central is pretty insane. And then, of course, there's the Edmonton Oilers, who people thought were a contender, and I thought were only a playoff team, and apparently they're not even that. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, if at the beginning of the season, um, you know, when we did our predictions, we're talking about the, uh, uh, you know, you know, I think we both predicted the Oilers to be in, I think, you know, Stanley Cup Finals at least. And I think if we had said that Vegas was going to be top in the Pacific, I think that people would have just stopped listening to our show because it would have been like, these guys don't know anything that they're talking about. Um, so, you know, from analyzing it, like, what do you think, um, he, like, like, let's say, let's say Edmonton, like, like, what do you, what do you think is, is uh, their, their main issues uh, this season as opposed to last season? I just think they overachieved a bit last season with a goaltender that played 82 of 82 games and play, put up some really good numbers. Um, they also traded away some good scoring on the wing, and most of their scoring depth was is virtually non-existent, so they were depending too much on star players. They also started the season without one of their better defensemen, so those things all pointed towards regression, and those things seemed to come true. And then on top of that, they also had a, have a penalty kill that is the worst in existence i think i'm i don't know the actual record book so i'm pretty sure there's never been a penalty kill this bad yeah kind of watching edmonton be uh <laughs> like i don't know it's a kind of an icarus type situation where like everyone is just like picking them and be like oh yeah we'll expect to see them and then you look at where they are right now it's the you know it's the everything on fire dog and like this is fine everything's fine um so, like, in, in terms of fixing Edmonton, like, are they pieces away, one piece away, or, like, was last year just, like, a straight-up anomaly and, like, there's still a ton more to do? Uh, I think they're about three pieces away. Uh, a Taylor Hall, a Jordan Eberle, a Matt Barzell, and they're, like, right back in it. <laughs> I Gosh, mean, if only a, if only players like that were like readily available, you know, yeah, either only. through the draft or or trades. So, well, yeah. I, I guess I guess the good thing, if you wanted to look positively, you know, they do have a player like Adam Larson who could you know could could fetch a Taylor Hall. So, you know, I mean, like it does seem like they do have some of the pieces available to to acquire these players. Uh, uh, yeah. So, Dom, one thing I wanted to ask you because. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm definitely into analytics. I don't know as much as I'd like to, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with Prashanth, you know, so he, you know, he helped me kind of get started, you know, I've written articles, but you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near like the level of like, you know, some of you guys who are, you know, creating your own um, metrics. Uh, and so, you know, last year I, I was really interested in um, uh, Dawson's, uh, you know, war model, his, uh, his GAR. And, you know, I, I definitely did a lot of look into that. And so I know you have your own model, uh, game score. Um, so for people who are listening who don't really know what that is, um, obviously, like, you know, I don't want you to, you know, go on for 20 minutes and explain everything, you know. But so, like, you know, what is this game score model, um, you know, and like what are the main things that you considered when uh, when putting it together? 
basically, uh, I was watching a lot of basketball two years ago, and LeBron was insane. So I was reading all the LeBron articles, and there was one of 538 that quoted something called Game Score. And I read about it. I'm like, is there something like this for hockey? So I did some Googling, and there wasn't. And now I'm famous because of it. So it's pretty great. <laughs> you just got to steal good ideas from other sports. And that's what I did. I Basically, what the stat is in basketball, they take all the box score stats, um, they put in a blender, and then they give you one number of how good your game was, and they put it on the same scale as points per game. So it's immediately familiar. Uh, so that's what I did. I just took all the basic stats and I weighted them based on their importance to goals. Um, and then I put on the same scale as points per game so people would be immediately familiar with how it works. Yeah, cool. Like I said, I'm, I'm taking a look. I'm taking a look right now. I pulled up the original Hockey Drafts article. Um, you know, I was looking through like you had a thing with, uh, you know, the best games played th- since 2007, 2008, which I thought was was pretty cool. Uh, you know, the top one was uh, Sam Gagne's uh, game where he had what it was four goals and four assists. Um, so, you know, not surprising that, a, you know, an eight point game is going to be going to be way up there. Um, so <laughs> going from here with that model, um, you know, you know, I know that you, uh, you know, from following you on Twitter and seeing the things you post there, I know that you do a lot of um kind of Maple Leafs analysis with that, like, you know, like after every game, I know I always see you have the, uh, you know, the game score for, uh, for the Maple Leafs for that game, you know, so from, you know, looking at that and then watching the games, what is on your agenda to maybe try to tweak that to make it even better? Like, have you noticed that that model is not capturing some of the things that you're seeing when you watch the game or it does, you know, do you feel it lines up pretty well? Uh, my main agenda is before I go to bed every night, I pray to the NHL <laughs> executive board to give us better stats. <laughs> and that's the main way I can tweak it to make it better. Cause I know I watched the game. I know there's a lot of things missing. It's just, it's hard to capture with our current data. Like there's things I can do to make it better. Like use expected goals instead of Corsi, a bunch of other tweaks for that. I, I like I could have done that at the start, but I felt it defeated the purpose of trying to keep it simple for the common fan, even though those common fans are the ones yelling at me most of the time. <laughs> but if I added expected goals instead of Corsi, those common fans would be even angrier. So I, I based on what we have right now, I'm pretty fine with how it's calculated. Um, and there's, I think in baseball or baseball, basketball, there's like 17 million different variations of single game models. So there's other people who can tweak it to their benefit. And there have been efforts towards that. And I applaud those. I just, I'm happy with what I have until the NHL gets off its ass and gives us better data. Yeah. I know with the, um, uh, you know, the new, uh, the, the tape to tape system that for and oh, I forget who, who else? So like, I, I feel bad because I, I, you know, I'm friends with him, so I remember him, but I can't remember who, who, you know, who, who else was involved. I know there was, I think, two other people. Um, you know, I know because, you know, because they use the, I believe, the NHL play-by-play data, and I know he was saying that, you know, there's been issues where, you know, there's like a shot from the slot, and like they have it listed from like the corner or something like, you know, like the the tracking is way off on the play-by-play data. Um, so, so yeah, I think, you know. It, you know, from talking to people like you, it definitely seems like the NHL is way behind uh, in 
making this information accessible to help people, you know, like you who are trying to, you know, bring us different ways of, of, of seeing how people are performing. So, but since, since you follow Toronto, uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask you because, you know, we had in Detroit, we had a situation with, um, you know, Andreas Anthonisiu, who, you know, held out at the beginning of the year, you know, there's been a lot of questions about if there's any tension or whatever between maybe him and the coaching staff, because he's, he would seem to get blamed a lot for, you know, or, you know, he would make a mistake and he'd like, you know, sit out for a period or something. So what was going on with, uh, with Mitch Marner there? Because I mean, I've been very high on him. He's, he's super fun to watch. And, you know, there was a, at least a, a game or two where he was on the fourth line. So like, what's, what's been going on there? Uh, well, you guys know Babcock, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just Babcock having some Babcock moments, trying to teach the young kids some defense by playing them with the worst players on the team <laughs> and giving them fewer minutes. Um, I don't understand why he does the things he does sometimes, but we had Mitch Marner on the fourth line. We had William Nylander on the fourth line for a bit. Um it's just crazy old Babcock doing his thing, and I hope those days are over. We got Leo Comer on the fourth line now, so I think that should be a lot better because he had games where he had 24 minutes for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird because a lot of Red Wings fans warn Leafs fans that Babcock's player usage would be frustrating despite all the good things he does systems-wise, and that seems to be coming to fruition right now. Yeah, I was just thinking we could have a um, we could have a strangely utilized line of uh, Athanasiu, Mitch Marner, and Josh Hosang. That would be uh, that would be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> well, yeah, we might have to build that in NHL eighteen and see how how well it does, and then just like mail the highlight video to to Babcock and like a you know like a serial Unabomber killer note. You're like, see how this works, Michael. It can be good, Michael. Um, uh, Don, one of my favorite articles that you. Uh, made recently was um how just how broken the nhl point system is <laughs> and it's it's one of my favorite topics to to, to try it's, i don't know like 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 the search for the cure for cancer or like what is the meaning of the universe i i put the nhl point system as one of the great mysteries of the universe and um like, like given you know do you think the system worked before they tried to push parity so hard? Or, you know, now that there's parity, is there a bright opening of the door somewhere down the line of them maybe, you know, moving towards the 3 2 1 format that you suggested? Or do I just commit Harikari right now and just not ever watch the game again? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't even know because before they had this wonderful loser point system like i think they did that a little bit before the lockout and then when they had this like big parody meeting it just made everything a lot worse and it just it doesn't make sense that you get a point for losing in in overtime and like the point system just changes it's weird and you get teams like the new jersey devils who are 24 and 24 but are actually on pace for like 95 points or something and are above are eight games above 500, even though they have lost as many games as they won. And <laughs> I'll get devil's fans yelling at me all year because of their 24, 16 and 18. And it just, it just doesn't make sense. Um, like it, 
like every other sport, they figured it out. If you win, <laughs> you win. If you lose, you lose. And the NHL is, is having trouble with that, apparently. Well, it, it's really, I mean, you already hit the nail on the head right there because it is funny to see. I mean, it's funny that this is the only area that the NHL is trailing in when it comes to other leagues getting things right first, right? Like, wow. Like, NHL is pretty good about following the lead about everybody else, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like, like looking at, because I think it was, I think it was a couple years ago I saw it. I'm like, okay, so what you're, so what you're telling me is, like, I would be really, I don't know, I don't know if mortified or like horribly interested if one team decided to be like, listen, for 60 minutes, we are going to play the most solid, neutral, defensive game. All we need to do is get to overtime. Like, one team just comes out right ahead and says it. Like, what, like what if, like, next year, whoever is coaching Florida is like, listen, what we're going to do is we are not going to do anything good for the regulation <laughs> time to only get us two points. We are going to stay true to our word because at the end of the season, you could theoretically just end up with 82 points and what? Be only two or three out of an eight spot or even the wild card, depending upon how stuff goes out. I, I think it absurd that we can come up with that scenario right now, it being very real, and then the NHL looking at it and being like, yeah, so what? So I have a I have a question from uh, it comes from one of our readers uh, in our mailbag. Um, so this is Raw Raw Power who uh, I think asks a question every single time, which is which is fantastic for us. Um, so the question is, um, what are the best stats, tools, or methods uh, for evaluating defensemen, particularly defensive or stay at home defensemen, or even defensive play by forwards? All right. So other than plus minus, which we all know is the best, um, what other methods are out there? <laughs> Uh, I feel like usually the best method is to look at how they limit shots against relative to their team, um, which is available on your friendly neighborhood Corsica. Okay. And yeah, just basically looking at that, looking at expected goals against how they limit on the on the just the defensive side. You can look at it as a rate of offense and defense, but if you want just the defensive impact, I feel like usually that's best. Um, Dom, we've we've had a lot of a lot of people on, and, and this is like my favorite question to ask because um, I think it cuts to the to the heart and soul of of why we follow hockey. Um, why do you still watch? <laughs> <laughs> because being this uh, into the game, I mean, you know, I I've taken my fandom to different levels to look at systems and how coaches deploy players and all this other stuff. And then somehow at the end of the day, I can still sit back and watch a game and not throw myself face first onto a bed of spikes. So as a person who is now, uh, you know, pretty hip deep in analyzing the game, uh, do you still derive enjoyment from this game? Has it has, or has it, has it soured for you or do you now even have a greater appreciation for, stick puck uh i still love it i grew up playing it watching it loving it um when i was in high school i wanted to be an architect and then the teacher who was teaching me made me hate that career path and so i thought why don't i do something with hockey because this is what i love and i want to do that for the rest of my life and now 
here I am, and I still love the sport very much. And it was just cool to have a job from it and get to just watch and analyze and learn more about the game. So, yeah, I think my appreciation hasn't really changed. Um, it's probably just been a little different from where it was in the past because I'm a lot nerdier about it. But, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you know, I, I think it's kind of the same for me that, uh, you know, it, it's just different, you know, because before I started writing for, for Lena and Motown and, you know, doing their podcast and then doing this, you know, like I, I was a, you know, definitely a hockey fan, you know, but it, like there's a different level from, you know, just being a, a you know, a typical fan, you know, even if you, you know, even if you go to a lot of games, even if you watch like, you know, every game or most of the games, you know, it's different when you know that you're going to have to actually talk about it. Like you're going to have to remember specific, you know, specific things that happen. It's, it's, it's a different level. Um, but you know, it's, it's still pretty cool. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you is before when, when you were talking about like how you came up with the idea to, to do the game score model, uh, you know, you said you got the inspiration from, you know, the NBA. Are there other um, other analytics things in either in basketball or in other sports that you've seen that you think would be, um, you know, would be interesting if we were able to, um, uh, you know, bring those ideas over to analyzing hockey? Uh, there's definitely a lot of things in other sports. It's just we, again, just don't have the capability to measure it. Um, one of my favorite things um, that I've read about in the past is uh, something called gravity in basketball, where they measure how much space a player gets on the floor and how better players have less time and space than others and how, I guess, those players create space for other players on their team. And obviously a guy like, I think Steph Curry had like the highest rate where someone just had, like, had to like stick to him, I guess. And the Warriors, how they maneuver and try to get open space for everyone is just really interesting. And I feel like would have a lot of application to hockey, a sport where space and time is so critical. Yeah, absolutely. I was saying, uh, I was telling one of my friends that like I got to go see, uh, I live in New Jersey, so I, I get to go see some Devils games. And I saw when... Uh, uh, you know, Washington came to town. My wife wanted to go with, you know, we want to go, you know, it's going to, you know, you kind of got to see Ovechkin live, you know, you got to see, you know, you know, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if there's like bands that you're really big fans of, you know, there's kind of, you know, like, like you got to see the best players. Like, you know, we went to go see Edmonton, you know, so I got to see Connor McDavid live. Um, and I just couldn't get over, you know, like I was watching, you know, I mean, I've seen it on TV and, and, you know, people talk about it all the time, but I couldn't get over just how, like ridiculously stationary Ovechkin is on that power play, you know? So it would be fun to see some tracking of that where it's just like, it's just like one tiny little dot and it's just like really, really, really dark color because I mean, it's amazing. He just stands there. Um, but then, you know, if he gets that puck on a one timer, it's, you know, a goal a lot of the time. So um, I'm definitely interested. I, I went to go um, this last year. I went up to RIT with Prashanth for the, uh, the, the Rochester Hockey Analytics Conference. And one of the things I saw was really cool was there was somebody there who analyzes soccer and they do a lot of analysis with, you know, passes and like, you know, they kind of have like a chart of like all the passes during the game. They look for, uh, you know, they look for patterns and things like that. So I think that would be kind of cool uh, to see more of in, in hockey. Oh yeah, definitely. All the other sports are just 
like it just feels bad analyzing hockey. Like it feels like he picked the wrong sport. All the other <laughs> sports are just so rich of data, and we're not. <laughs> well, well, at one point we did have a puck that glowed. So, mm, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, last night, last night we had uh, we had glowing targets. So apparently, the NHL is really good if it's like, hey, we need an improvement, and they're like, does it involve glowing things? And then if the answer is yes, they're like, we can do that. And if the answer is like, can you fix offside replays? They're like, we can make them glow. <laughs> so I think we, we stumbled into the main NHL problem. Like, we can just stop right now. Like, we, we have the problem. We need to figure out how how to pitch the NHL on solutions that involve glowing things. So we, we did it. We did it. We, we figured it out. Um <laughs> So Dom, uh, I'm a, I'm a big movie guy, and uh, there's uh, there's website uh, Birth Movies Death that has a phenomenal uh, series of articles called Say Something Nice, and um, where basically they just either take universally panned films or um, uh, TV shows that uh, the the writers are like basically tasked with what's what's the one nice thing you can say about it. So what I'd like to do is. I'd like to ask you to, <laughs> because it's such an easy, such an easy routine for us to find things wrong with the NHL. Is there just is there anything nice you can say? <laughs> mm, let me think for a bit. I really thought you were going to ask me to say something nice about my favorite movie, The Room. But oh, well, 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 you can do that too. <laughs> Oh, hi, well, that, that, could be, that could be your lead in like, well, I can't say anything nice about the NHL. So in lieu of saying something nice about the NHL, I'll say something nice about the room. Mm. And then you then ponder about the ludicrousy of both of them. Yeah, so. or maybe the NHL is tearing you apart. Um, it kind of is sometimes. Uh, the decision-making process of the NHL sometimes is very similar to the decision-making process of making the room, I find. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, so we could have the Disaster Artist Part 2 with uh, Gary Bettman, with a, with a long black wig and a, a crazy uh, some, you know, some country in Europe accent that nobody can nail down, and yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It's, it makes sense. He's somebody who kind of inexplicably gets to keep doing what he's doing, and like nobody's stopping him, so I guess it lines just, up, yeah. I just imagine... That that new Tommy Wiseau Batman walking into a restaurant like that when he's talking to to Jed Apatow and it's like um, I don't know I don't know Donald Donald Fair is like listen Gary you know we're not going to have forty teams not in a million years and then Batman's like but after that <laughs> 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 oh good lord um, all right well yeah that's that's good I I think I think the comparison between the room and NHL is actually a little too on the nose, which I don't think was possible. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still like that. You know, when you when you're talking about how the league is, you know, just lacking in areas and all it, I, I just feel like maybe we should stop talking about how many pieces teams are away from succeeding. How many pieces are the NHL away from competing? You think? <laughs> Like, they've got, like, a great sport underlying everything. They're just a league that doesn't seem to know what to do with it. I feel like there's a lot of things they could fix. They could fix the they could fix the standings. They could fix how they market their star players to maybe 
make it more popular in you know the the country they market this sport in um they could stand to make the season a bit shorter but i mean that'll never happen um even though it'll probably give players better rest and have better quality products um they could probably do some rule changes to increase scoring because we saw how excited everyone was at the start of the season when there were so many goals and then that sort of just died as it usually does. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to crack down on interference. We're going to crack down on holding. What's what's this? The games are more exciting. We must stop this. Uh, I mean, like the only, the, the only thing for me that like I kind of get is you know how no matter what the standard of officiating is during the regular season you know when you get to the playoffs especially near the end of a playoff game it's basically anything goes um and i mean part of me wants to see you know the the standard of officiating change you know stay the same but at the same time like there's almost nothing more exciting to me than overtime playoff hockey and especially like ones where you get those like two or three overtimes. So there, there is a small part of me that kind of is like, I'm okay with that. But at the same time, like objectively, <laughs> it would be much, much better if, um, you know, something that we always talk about on this show is, you know, the NHL has an amazing lack of consistency, you know, if they were, you know, about pretty much everything, um, but, it's really quite breathtaking. I would hope <laughs> that in the builder category, they induct themselves for just the tremendous amount of consistent inconsistency. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. That, I think I think every record that Gretzky had it just pales in comparison to just what the league has been able to accomplish for for a hundred years now, Pete. I mean, that's ridiculous. They can just put a put a magic eight ball in the in the Hall of Fame. And put a little plaque <laughs> on it, but um, Dom. All right, so uh, so so um, we're gonna have to let you go in a minute. But before we do, um, we're gonna circle back to obviously, you know, Jay was joking a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, but I do know from again from following you on Twitter, I know that you have a a, a great appreciation for the show Riverdale. I I have seen one episode, and it's not like the Mitch Hedberg bit where he says like I I've eaten one anchovy, and that's why I haven't eaten two anchovies. Like it's not it's not like that. Like I did I did enjoy. I thought it was a you know it was, it was a fun show to watch. Um, at some point, I do think I'll probably go back and, and continue watching it. But um, so Carolyn Wilkie uh, wrote in uh, with a question, uh, and basically she just kind of phrased it as top five reasons to watch Riverdale. So I'm going to make that the last question. So you know, pitch us on this show, or you know, especially me. I haven't seen it. Our, our our listeners, you know, there are things other than hockey that we can do to to uh, to enjoy ourselves. So top five reasons to watch Riverdale. Man, <laughs> top five reasons. Here's the thing: Riverdale is uh, not a good show, but <laughs> it's uh, it's fun <laughs> to watch these characters just be stupid teenagers. I guess sort of. I feel like the first season was a lot better, and it jumped the shark a bit this season. Actually, played jump rope with the shark this season. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's see. Top five reasons. Uh, the characters are attractive. They're all 25-year-old actors for some reason playing high school people. Doesn't okay. make sense. But mm -hmm. if you're a girl, they got 
river daddies now. All the dads are hot. <laughs> all the dads. It doesn't make sense. Like, just the hottest dads in town. They're well, like, all... Yeah, Luke Perry's on that show, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's not even the hot one. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Luke is going to be really horrified to hear that when he listens to this. I'm sorry, Mr. Perry. It's okay. <laughs> Might be Manny's dad. I feel so bad. Um... <laughs> Uh, other reasons, the, the fact that it's, uh, the characters from Archie comics, just, they're more depraved. Okay. It's an interesting way to look at it. That's the reason I started watching it. Cause it was just, I would always like read the Archie comics when I was in line at the grocery store and <laughs> now they're doing dumb things. So that's pretty fun to watch. Um, I mean, the storyline in the first season, at least, was great. The whole mystery aspect of uh, of these teens solving this crime that apparently the sheriff was too incompetent to solve. So, <laughs> I mean, the, the twist was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. You wait all season to find out it was exactly who everyone expected it was. Uh, but it was still, the ride was, was fun. Um, Cheryl Blossom gets her own category because she's incredible and sassy and just the biggest bitch at Riverdale, and <laughs> that's definitely up there. I think that's four. You got one more? One more. Yeah. Just seeing the dumb shit Archie does from <laughs> week to week is worth it. Nice. I think that's I think that's part of the, been the DNA of, as to why Archie's been around for so long. <laughs> yeah, so based on, um, uh, you know, based on my wife's viewing of another show, this definitely sounds... A lot, kind of like a a another version of Pretty Little Liars. Um, yep, where, I have heard that. Yeah, because like I mean, you know that show. Like it, it feels like that show is on for fifteen years. Like I think the the actresses are in their forties now. But like, you know, I you know my wife would be watching it, and then I'd be like, okay, so like like what are they trying to find out now? And she's like, oh, they're trying to figure out who A is. I was like. Like, didn't that already happen? Wasn't that like eight years ago? And apparently, like, like I, like, it, like it keeps they, they keep continuing that. I don't know. It's like a different person or something. But um, for me, the the, the one thing that kind of drew me to give her Riverdale a chance is um, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan, and so I'm a big fan of Match and uh, Amic. I don't know if it's Amic or Amic, um, but she's just you know she's just a really fun actress, and uh, so you know, like I said, the first episode I saw, I, I thought it was pretty fun. Um, so it sounds like it's definitely something to keep, you know, keep an eye on. So, uh, Dom, thank you so much for coming on with us. We really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And that'll teach you next time that, you know, we may joke about talking about Riverdale, but we will actually still talk about <laughs> Riverdale. So. All right, yeah. So uh, thanks again to Dom for uh, for taking that time out of his day to talk to us. Uh, it's another great interview. We're, we're once again glad that we get to talk to uh, you know such great people. So I realized that at the end of the interview, I forgot to say where you can find Dom on Twitter. So he is at Dom Luschizen, which is uh, which is spelled just like it sounds. Uh, I'm just kidding. So it's uh, at D O M L U S Z C Z Y. S C sorry S Z Y N. Okay, I'll say that one more time. So D O M L U S Z C Z Y S Z Y N. So um, yeah, so thanks again to Don for coming on. Uh, we really enjoyed that. So 
in a minute, we're going to wrap up the show with talking about you know, some more all-star game themed stuff. But very recently, uh, yesterday, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman talked, uh, you know, down in Florida. He talked about a couple of things. And one of the things he talked about that, uh, you know, uh, we, we could definitely talk about this next time. Um, maybe we'll have a little bit more information by that time where it, it certainly seems like Seattle is going to be an expansion team in the relatively near future. It certainly seems like that's definitely going to be something that happens. Um, you know, nothing official yet, but all the, all the news coming out of there definitely seems to be, um, you know, along those lines. So Vegas paid around $500 million to become an NHL franchise. They're saying that the next, the next group is going to have to pay $650 million. So not surprisingly, um, they they announced that they are not going to change the format uh, for the expansion draft, which makes sense, you know, because if you are paying that much money, uh, it would be be pretty terrible if they're like, oh well, you know, Vegas was kind of better than we thought they'd be, so we're gonna change uh, we're gonna change the rules, you know, that would be kind of messed up. So um, basically, just just a quick reminder is uh, about the expansion draft rules. Um, as uh, Jeffler pointed out on Twitter, Jeff Follett, um, each team can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie, or eight skaters and a goalie. They must expose one D and two forward with 40 games played in prior year or 70 games played in the last two. Uh, Seattle has to take a minimum of 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goalies. And Florida has to gift Seattle two-thirds of a top line. So <laughs> just in case if you forgot that, um, <laughs> those are the rules. So expansion you know, definitely seems to be coming. Uh, like I said, we'll probably talk more about that once we get some more information down the road. But one thing he said that uh, that, that definitely kind of raised the eyebrows of a lot of the hockey community, the hockey Twitter community especially, is he talked about the goaltender interference video reviews. Because we've had, you know, we've had some, some pretty, pretty terrible examples of the review process. You know, they take forever and there doesn't seem to be any consistency with how they're doing it. And so, so this is pretty interesting because this is what he said. This is his quote. Overall, the system works. But I think we've gotten to the point where everybody's overthinking the review. The intention, particularly on goaltender interference, is did you miss something? I think the consensus of the meeting was really more we need to give a refresher. We're going to send a memo to the officials, take a quick look, but don't search it to death. The presumption should be the call on the ice was good unless you have good reason to overturn it and you shouldn't have to search for a good reason. So to be honest, like this sounds like a reasonable thing to say. But the problem is that this wasn't the question. Like this wasn't this isn't the, this isn't the problem. This is not the problem. It's like you know, it, it's like if my wife said, um, "Oh, hey, you're going to the store. I need some milk." And I'm like, "Awesome." And I come home, and she's like, "Oh, cool. Did you get milk?" And I'm like, "No, but I did get bagels." Like it, it's you're not solving the problem. The problem is that nobody seems to agree on what is goaltender interference. And so rather than having some type of clarification, the solution is, well, just don't look at it that long. So, Jay, I guess, I guess this, this might be a very short answer. So are you surprised about this? No. <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like, did, did you have any comments on this? Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, uh, as we were saying before, it's a really awesome, uh, another impressive streak by the NHL to choose these great moments of when everyone's actually watching to continue to shove their foot do- further down their throat. 
it's you do absolute disservice to everybody if you don't make efforts to clarify some of the most lightning rod moments in your sport. Like I, I understand. Okay, so then if you're saying it's a camera issue, find a camera and use it. If you're saying it's a, an officials or because this is what's so weird. Because yes, there's there's unions and a lot of the officiators have their deals in place and what can and can't be done. And there's a system, yada, yada, yada. But if you're operating continually on like, it's a gray area, that's dumb. I don't <laughs> think sports should be operated mostly on a gray area. Then, then because if you are, then just throw the rule book out of the way. Oh, I wasn't trying to decapitate him, sir. I was just trying to go for the puck. Well, you, you, you two handed him in the, in the clavicle. How do you go for the puck? And I'm like, well, the puck is behind him. What am I supposed to do? Go around him? There's a lot of things that can be fixed if you just have dedicated and determined and bright people looking to solve them. I see no reason whatsoever why, you know, all these people that have did the whole thing were like, oh, yeah, let's let's make the depth of the nets not as deep. And I was like, that's a brilliant idea. Why did we need these gaping soccer-like nets in the first place, the puck only has, you know, Hey, make, make them a foot deep. I don't care. You know, there, there's your goal scoring increase right there because guys will be doing wraparounds like it's nobody's business. But, uh, I am, I am especially like if this was about the offside stuff, maybe I could understand the whole, like, don't spend a lot of time on it, but we're talking about goalie interference and goals being wiped away. And especially with, it's it's getting down to crunch time and and regulation wins and points and yada yada yada. So, um, I I think that it's it's kind of the same thing with baseball as it is right now. Whether or not something is either a double play or whether or not his foot came off the bag a millisecond and you know what are you exactly analyzing? If you're saying that oh because the air because we don't have a clear view on it we shouldn't pay him we shouldn't look at it as too closely. I, that it, uh, am I taking crazy pills? Does that not sound ludicrous? <laughs> oh yeah, well we don't really have a clear definition for it, so we're not going to come up with a clear definition for it, and we're just going to kind of maybe skate around it. It's like no, find a way to make it a less gray area. I think that's, I think that would be way better serving for for everybody. Or if you just found a different way to say what you wanted to say, it made it sound like you were actually doing anything, but then you wouldn't, you know, like business as usual. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I'm I'm all for clarification, and this was not good <laughs> for clarification. Yeah, yeah. So, eh, you know, I mean, this again, this is going to be an evergreen topic on our show. Is uh, yep. what what stupid thing is the NHL doing now or saying yeah. now? So we're going to wrap up this show. We wanted to uh, we wanted to end on a positive note. So a lot of people don't care that much about the all-star game um you know from talking to people there there are a lot of people i know who you know really love hockey but it doesn't really seem like they're they're you know too tremendously excited about watching the all-star game today so we wanted to wrap this up by talking about some of our favorite all-star game moments and we can we we can talk about um moments from the game or you know moments from the skills competition or you know even anything that is uh is around the the game, you know, during that time period where you know the players are all down there. Um, so, Jay, what's uh, w- what's one of the the most memorable moments for you? 
In the history of watching uh, the NHL's All-Star festivities, um, the first one that comes to mind is the draft where Kessel went last. <laughs> um, I, I think that was just a spectacular Hindenburg moment. Um, not in the sense that like they failed. I just thought, like, think of all of the comedic training and experience you'd need to 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 have. Like at that point, the season storyline had already made itself known. Everything, you know, the all the exposition was laid down. the 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 story of that season was already well underway. But to have all of the story threads lead to this pinnacle moment where the show starts off with, I think Kessel's going to get picked last too. Holy crap, he's going to get picked last! <laughs> like you could see it just happening. Like the boulder was getting bigger and bigger. You're like. <laughs> Is somebody going to take him? Who's going to be last? And then he's last, and you're you're just like, holy crap, it happened. And then they're like, eh, we'll give you a Honda, and then, you know, 20 grand to throw to, to something else. I mean, any moment that gave us Alexander Ovechkin on his probably company-sponsored Verizon phone taking pictures of Kessel getting picked last, <laughs> that, I, that's, a, that's a success. So that's that's the first one that pops into my head. What about you, Pete? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, oh my God, that one's so funny. By the way, if you want, you can, uh, it's really easy to find uh, a clip of this. Um, I, I, I will say just as, just as like a, just like to add on to what you said, I I do think it was super fun when they, when they did the draft, you know, when they actually had the, the players pick, uh, you know, pick their teams and it was really fun. It kind of led to like a, you know, a lot of new opportunities, which is why that they, they stopped doing it. So you know, that was definitely something exciting. I, I kind of teased this a little bit before. Um, during the, uh, the, the, the former Breakaway Challenge, th there's a couple of things in here. I thought that the, uh, you know, Brent Burns dressing up as Chewbacca was very good. Uh, and then Subban dressing up as Yager was really fun. But um, one of my favorite things, I think, was, I think it was Claude Giroux, where he... Um, he basically him him and uh, and uh, Johnny Goudreau went down the ice just to, to to make the play, and he was acting like Goudreau was like a little kid, and he was controlling him, and that was just I mean it's that was just fun, you know it, you know it's players kind of embracing okay Goudreau's tiny he he, you know, he even looks young and he looks younger than he even is, and it was just fun, you know so I I really like kind of those like spontaneous you know i mean it was probably planned i'm guessing but you know i really like some of those spontaneous things like um you know ovechkin coming out with the crazy glasses and stuff i don't know i, I know some people like kind of rolled their eyes at that but i always enjoyed that uh so so that's one uh what do you what else do you got well i'm gonna piggyback on yours too i love that stuff i think the brent burns thing was hilarious i think the suban yager thing probably takes the cake for a long time to come you know if if, if we're talking about everlasting moments to end a, a storied thing on that's that's pretty phenomenal um i i, I still always have a, a nice personal chuckle at the time where ovechkin tried to use two sticks to score yeah oh right? yeah Which, yeah yeah, with his little like uh, boonie hat and and sunglasses, that was <laughs> that that was funny. So th that's that's pretty cool. Um, I want to dig into the to the classic um, uh, bucket here for a sec. Uh, Owen Nolan calling his shot against mother flipping Dominic Hasek. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, it's an all star game. Yes, everybody's giving like their two percent on it, but. 
there's just I don't know, just going bar down on Dominic Hasek, just like it's it's even though he was my goalie for for a few years and got a cup and all that stuff, it's just really fun to see goalies get undressed in such ludicrous over the top manner. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if there is a point in like a regular season game where it'd be funny, like can you imagine if someone else called their shot like in the regular season? Like, yeah, and the <laughs> and, you know, the the all-star game, yeah, that's all fun and good. But like, can you imagine how many tryhards would be so pissed if a guy called a shot and scored like what reprehensible behavior? This is a this is a this is a respected game. You know, there's no place for that. You know, no need to hot dog it. Like these are the same guys that got mad when Ovechkin scored his 50th and he dropped his stick and he was like kind of doing a little Jimi Hendrix, like, oh, yeah. I can't touch it. Like or uh, Timu Solani, Solani throwing his gun up, his glove up in the air and shooting it. I mean, th- yeah. Th- yeah, you know. Um, I mean, like, it almost makes you think that, um, you know, some some uh, uh, some hockey writer would uh, would maybe challenge that player to a, an MMA fight. <laughs> of course, that's that's too ridiculous. That would never happen. But yeah, I, I yep. think like, like for me, that was definitely up on the top of my list. Like, I couldn't remember who did it. I just like I remember watching. I remember watching that. And I remember. Um, just like being, you know, you know, kind of being blown away by the audacity of it, and then just it was so much fun. Um, my my next one almost kind of feels like cheating, but I mean, John Scott, <laughs> John Scott. I remember, <laughs> yeah, going into it, it was like I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, you know. And then I honestly kind of like. I didn't even re- like. I'm not going to say I didn't know who John Scott was. Like, you know, I'd heard of him, but I mean, it wasn't like you know he was on my radar of like you know <laughs> NHL players. Like, I, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I, I see what John Scott's up to, you know. And so, in the beginning, I was like, uh, like, like I don't know. It felt really mean to me, you know, because like the idea is like, hey, let's take somebody who has no business being in an All Star game and make them an All Star, and it's like. Well, well, how, how's John Scott going to feel about that? You know, it's like, you yeah. know, we thought of every player we could think of, and you were the one we came up with for the least all-star-like player, you know? Um, and so, like, honestly, like, that part of me, like, the empathetic part of me, like, felt bad at first, and, like, I wasn't really a fan of it. You know, I was kind of like, this is dumb. I wish they wouldn't do it. But then it led to probably my favorite all-star game Um, (laughs) just because like it was, it was like a movie, you know, like you could not script this any better. Like if you, if this was the end of a movie, you'd be like, Oh, come on now. This needs a rewrite. Nobody's going to believe that that's what happened. Come on. That's ridiculous. You know? And you know, for him to, you know, actually score, you know, him to be the MVP and, and not even just be the MVP, but, but deserve to be the MVP. You know, that was just, that was just fantastic. And and also it kind of shows you the, the skill level it takes to play in the NHL, even the players that aren't, you know, the snipers, the elite players, whatever, you know, if you went down to your local rink and you saw like, you know, a guy that's a healthy scratch and he was playing, you know, with like, you know, the local guys or whatever, you know, he looked like Sidney Crosby. Like, I mean, like, you know, if you're playing the NHL, you know, you have, you have skill. You know, and so, you know, he gets to play with these guys that he never gets to play with. And, of course, I mean, he's not as good as they are, you know, no matter right. what. But it, it was fun. It was really, really fun. And, again, the NHL has decided that they will make sure that that will never happen again. There, there, there seems to be, like, a pattern in my choices. Hmm. Yeah, seems like it. Really fun things <laughs> that the NHL decided are not going to happen again. 
<laughs> oh, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Pete. That's, that's, that's a, that's a fate worse than death. I feel like. <laughs> that's okay. So, so Jay, you got one more? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's just you know let's let's be let's be honest here. Um, this is the this is the literally the greatest thing I will uh, uh, lay claim ownership and one hundred percent title to. I get to say, for years, my Detroit Red Wing is the fastest skater. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Don't get me wrong. Think about it. Gartner is 36 years old, and he becomes the fastest skater in 1996. And it's an untouched record for the longest time. But now, beaming with youth and excitement and debossery, Dylan Larkin snaps up the record. And it's really amusing because last night, Peter, we, we actually uh, texted about this. Yeah, McDavid is back-to-back speed skater champ, but he's not the fastest, is he? <laughs> you know, it's like that—it's that thing that's going to keep you up at night. Like, I hope that, like, McDavid is like in his hotel room, just like trying to like—he's like tossing and turning, but then he opens up his like window, and there's like Larkin just like in midair, just like skating laps, just, <laughs> and just like laughing maniacally, like uh, like Janusz from Ghostbusters too, when he reaches through and grabs the baby, just like in midair ghost form. There's a ghost Larkin just like terrorizing you. You're like, no, make it stop. He like looks at the trophy they might have given him for the fastest skater. He's like, it doesn't mean anything. I'm not the fastest ever. I'm just the fastest at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so hell yeah, Dilly Larkin, you're the fastest skater ever. Someone could take that away from you, but for the foreseeable future, no one will. So that's that's my that's my most favorite one. I like that it's recent. I mean, there's the historical stuff, Pete, right? Like, I think the standing ovation for Gordie Howe back in the 80s, I think that's like a like a massive tearjerker. Uh, and I don't I don't know how to properly put it into words how like ridiculous it is that, you know, like probably like when Gretzky retired, that's the type of ovation that that reminds me of, you know, just players that had transcended the game while still playing the game. And just it, it makes you like you're you're glad you were able to share time on the planet at the same time as these people so you know the, the, it's it's bizarre how the all-star game in and of itself is completely useless there's no point to it it's just meant to showcase the greatest thing i mean for all we know uh, in 2 years we're going to be like well guess what this one counts the all-star <laughs> game is now is now whoever wins you get to assign 2 points to your team you know it's just it's but i think that's where the conundrum is right now still where yeah, you're kind of realizing that the All-Star game doesn't have any, like, overall meaning, but it gives you these moments that you, like, get really excited about, and I'm okay with them still doing that as long as they can try and continue to manufacture and give chances to those opportunities happening and not just taking away everything Peter loves. So, there you go. Yeah, I think... Um... My my last one, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit and do two because one of them is just a great moment uh, that I wish I, I think would be fun to have happen again, uh, but it's from from before my my time. So in 1951, the fifth All Star Game that happened, the um, two players by the name of Maurice Richard and Gordie Howe fought. They had a fight <laughs> in an All Star Game, and so I like I, I know that's not gonna happen. But I think that I think that's 
I don't know. That's just fun. That's just fun. Um, and but but my real last one is um, also with the skills competition uh, from before, and this is actually not something that the NHL has decided to change. Um, is Ally Afraidy. Um, and I, I looked this up because I wanted to make sure I got all the details right. So basically, Al McInnes had won in 1991 and 1992, and then Ally Afraidy said no more. And he ended up winning the uh, the contest with a slap shot of 105 miles an hour. And it was 12 miles per hour faster than McInnes had done the year before. And that remained the, uh, the record for over 10 years and uh, 16 years. And then uh, Zidane Ochara finally beat it uh, with 105.4. And then he, you know, beat his own record. So Zidane Shara has 105.9. Uh, but I afraid he was the first person to get over, um, you know, to get hit three digits on that. And so, I don't know, something about me just really loves the hardest shot contest. I get that it's kind of really terrible television, you know, because it's like, all right, this guy does a thing that we've seen a billion times before. And then we're going to look at a clock. You know, we're going to look at this, yeah. uh, we're going to look at this display and that's where the drama is going to happen, you know? And so, you know, it's not the most visually appealing, uh, of the skills, but I, I really like it. I don't know. There's something about me that is just like, Ooh, higher number. I don't know. It's like my, my lizard brain is like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just about to say of all the events that is supposed to directly measure your ability to be a man, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like there's the hardest shot. It's like, listen, if you can't break a hundred, like you get relegated. Like that'd be funny if they just were like, "Hey, so everybody participating in this contest, one winner gets to continue to play in the NHL. Everyone else who loses has to spend one more day with their has to spend one day with their <laughs> AHL affiliate to go back to school about learning how to shoot a puck really hard." So, yeah. Time to get creative, NHL. Time to get creative. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to uh the end of another episode, episode 15. Uh it's a good one. We're almost we're we're only one episode away from our Sweet Sixteen episode, which is really nice. So, so I guess this is our like our quinceanera episode. Um, so so Jay and I have dressed up in our our prettiest party dresses for the recording of this. Um, unfortunately, it's an audio only <laughs> podcast. But um, so yeah, so thanks a lot for listening. The only thing we have left is for our classic closing segment, which is Doc Emmerich's um, adjective of the week. So Jay, what do you got for us this time? Because this is the all-star version of our podcast, I'm, I want you to I want you to get a timer ready because what I'm going to do is I'm going to, in as the fastest scare live, I want to be the fastest to read all of the Emric verbs that I have at my disposal. So okay. I'm going to try and do it as much in the voice of Emric as possible. So is the timer ready, good sir? I am, I am ready. Okay. All right. So I, give, I will give you a countdown. Yeah. Give me a count. All right, three, two, one, go. Angled, banked, blasted, blocked, bounced, brought, brushed, carried, chipped, chopped, cleared, closed, collared, controlled, curled, cut, dealt, deflected, directed, dish, dropped, drubs, dubbed, dumped, fed, feeds, finessed, fires, flagged, flew, flipped, floats, flopped, forced, forwarded, gathering, gives, gloved, got, grabbed, guides, handle, hands, held, hopped, intercepted, Kicked, knifed, 
Knox lays, leads, lifted, lobbed, looked, lugged, muscled, nudges, one-handed, played, poked, popped, punched, pushed, rattled, regathered, ricocheted, rifled, sealed, set, shot, slipped, slugged, spiked, spirited, spun, squibbed, start, steered, struck, swatted, swirl, taken, tangled, threaded, through, tipped, touches, trickles, turned, twisted, went, whistled, yanks. 54.19 seconds. You have to make sure, you know, because this is the all-star game, you know, we have to, um, you know, there's no rounding here. We have to go to <laughs> hundredths of a second. So, um, so for, for our listeners, I hope you really like that um, because, you know, this is a, a version of our, our NHL skills competition. Uh, Jay is now going to do that five more times in an effort to beat his previous time. So, <laughs> so, so settle in. It'll only take oh, about God. five. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, <laughs> So, yeah, so, so thanks a lot for that. Um, so, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know, we really love doing this every every couple of weeks. Um, we couldn't do it last week. You know, we, we normally go every two weeks. Uh, you were probably expecting an episode uh, a week ago, but um, we had some I, – I, I had some life situations come up that um, everything's fine, but, you know, basically I just wasn't able to record last weekend. Um, so, you know, thanks again to our guests from today, uh, Don Chisholm. He's a, he's a really great guy. Like I said, I follow him on Twitter, um, and that's definitely something that you should do. So um, you can also follow me on Twitter, at PFlynnHockey. You can follow Jay, at TheRoar, underscore 24. And you can follow our podcast, at 200FootPod. That's 200FTPOD. All right, so uh, on behalf of Jay and myself and Dom, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Bye!